Hi, this is Adam Feinberg, and you are listening to the Harlem Stories podcast. Hi, this is Mark Becker. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, great co-host as always. You know, uh, you know, always look forward to your banter. I think it kind of adds a whole other dimension mm. to this podcast. Thank you. Um, so, going forward over here, our topic today, we're going to call, we're going to talk about Sugar Hill, <laughs> the sweet hill of success. So Sugar Hill was, uh, you know, is actually a you know a historic district, but you know ultimately it's got a lot of connotations for the African American community. Um, you know, one thing that we are going to discuss is ultimately uh, Hamilton Heights. It's the northernmost section of West Harlem. Within the neighborhood, there's two distinct historic districts, potential third, which encompasses almost the entire neighborhood that's proposed right now. But right now, the two historic districts include the Hamilton Heights Historic District, sometimes referred to as the Hamilton Grange Historic District, and the Sugar Hill Historic District and District Extend, Extension. Sorry. Uh, um, you know, while the official uh, district is defined with very specific buildings, broadly speaking, I tend to say that Sugar Hill is largely defined as 145th Street to 155th Street. Um, and some people will tend to include also up to the Morris Jamel Mansion at 160th, uh, Edgecombe Avenue to the east, and the western border is between Amsterdam and Convent, roughly. Isn't there a movie with Wesley Snipes called Sugar Hill? There is a movie with Wesley Hypes, including called Sugar Hill. Um, and actually, ironically, it takes place in central Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Hamilton Heights and the Sugar Hill neighborhood. Um, but yeah, there and then there's other pop culture references we'll talk about as well. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, that northern extension over there is sometimes, you know, not necessarily considered Sugar Hill, but others do. Controversial, but, you know, we'll move past that. Sugar Hill got its name in the 1920s when the neighborhood became a popular place for wealthy and successful African-Americans to live during the Harlem Renaissance, which, you know, right now it's gaining a lot of interest in right. uh, today in the Harlem Renaissance. And it was known as the sweet life to live on the hill. Uh, you know, there were a great number of prominent African-American residents, including W.E. Dubois, Thurgood Marshall, Justice Thurgood Marshall, uh, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., uh, Congressman, Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, Walter Francis Wright, Willie Mays, Frankie Lyman, and Artara Schomburg. And that's the same Schomburg as we know as the Schomburg Center on 135th Street and Lenox. So there's currently a library and, uh, you know, containing all the historic, uh, uh, you know, African-American prominence uh, of Harlem, you know, contained within that library. And it's not just the residents. It's their famous friends that have visited and spent time significant amounts of time in the neighborhood. Just about anybody that was well-known during the height of the jazz era spent some time in Sugar Hill. Uh, there, were, there were lots of clubs, and I think that'll be a topic of a whole different episode um, about the, the, you know, some are lost, and, you know, they, that won't, easy, won't be easy to find information on all these clubs, but we do know they exist. And in some cases, the signs are still outside the buildings. So we know a little bit, but not a lot. 
on some of these, but then there's others that are larger. But, you know, so you can still see some remnants of those clubs that were once located there. Um, Langston Hughes wrote about the affluence of the neighborhood in his essay, Down Under in Harlem, published in the New Republic in 1944, an excerpt that I was able to find on it. Don't take it for granted that all of Harlem is a slum. It isn't. There are big apartment houses up on the hill, Sugar Hill, and up by City College. Nice high-rent houses with elevators and doormen, where Canada Lee lives and W.C. Handy, and the George S. Shilers and the Walter Whites, where colored families send their babies to private kindergartens and their youngsters to ethical culture school. Obviously, uh, obviously, this has changed quite a bit over the years with parts of Harlem having five plus million dollar properties. Right. So uh, obviously not this, the, the slums that uh, Langston Hughes had, had discussed. Right. Um, quite a bit of a change. But the architecture of the buildings here are beautiful and just worth walking the neighborhood and enjoy the scenery. Some of the more well-known properties include the James Bailey Mansion. And, you know, most people, they don't recognize who James Bailey is um, until I start saying, I'm like, oh, he was partners with P.T. Barnum. And together they formed the, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. And it, it, it's a single family unattached mansion. It's got these amazing stained glass windows designed by a cousin of Louis Comfort Tiffany and were designed in the shapes of circus animals uh, and, and as, along with a um, almost like king-like turret, mm -hmm. uh, castle-like turret, I should say. Uh, when the, the house was initially constructed, uh, and this is all in the Sugar Hill Historic District today, uh, when the house was originally constructed, um, Bailey thought this was going to be the next big neighborhood and thinking it was kind of like the billionaire's row of its day. Eh, didn't quite kind of come out that way, but, uh, you know, it's still beautiful, beautiful home. And all over the years, it had changed hands. At one point, it was uh, actually being used as a funeral home. Um, and the home came up in poor shape when it came up for sale at, at the beginning of 2008 before the housing market collapsed. Now, amazingly, they were originally asking $10 million for the home. And that's the fact, despite the fact that it needed millions of dollars worth of, uh, of, uh, of updates and, and restoration work. Um, <laughs> because the sale ultimately happened after the housing market had collapsed in 2008, it wound up selling for a total of $1.4 in cash. That's an 86% discount from the original asking price. I mean, when do you hear that in Manhattan? Crazy stuff. Yeah. But the new owners, they've been restoring the property and have it available for rent for filming. So uh, there's actually there's a, a there's a filming company that specializes in, you know, in getting uh, obtaining permissions from owners. And they have like a list and, and, and several uh, there's several homes uptown included on that list for, you know, that are available for rent for filming. Hey, if there's a structure, someone's going to find a way to use it. Yeah, exactly. And New York City is a kind of a mecca for filming. So that makes sense. 409 Edgecombe, um, I'm, I'm not going to say too much about the, the board. I'll just say it's my nemesis. I've had a board turned down on it. Um, they are um, they are a very strict board, and they do tend to reject the vast majority of buyers. Uh, wow. So um, 
Um, you know, that said, they still do have uh, a lot of needs for uh, renovation and restoration work. Uh, but, you know, the, the building itself, it was designed by the pre-war architects Schwartz and Gross. And Schwartz and Gross designed some of the, you know, most amazing interior, you know, uh, buildings. So naturally, you know, any of their buildings, and I know a few HDFCs that were actually converted, um, you know, that were originally Schwartz and Gross designed buildings. These are the buildings that are in demand in the HDFC world because mm. they're, they're, they're large, they're gorgeous apartments. And even when they need... Ren total gut renovation it's like the, the bones are there and they're they're definitely worth restoring absolutely beautiful um but you know it was originally known as the colonial parkway apartments and and it was built with the expectation that residents would be uh new york dodgers since the ball field was uh just a couple blocks away on the polo grounds wow. so uh the expectation was it was originally going to be used by the the members of the sports club uh, the Dodgers, I think, as most people know, they eventually moved out of New York and the Polo Ground Stadium moved to become Yankee Stadium across the Harlem River. Mm -hmm. So uh, not exactly a surprise there. And, you know, we talk more about that going forward. Um, the park across the street was back then known as Colonial Park, um, and it's since been renamed as Jackie Robinson Park. Mm. Quite fitting considering you had the stadium, the baseball stadium, you know, just a few blocks away. And even now, today, it, just across the 155th Street uh, Bridge. Yep. So, you know, ultimately, you know, I think that's quite appropriate. Um, the building has had a long list of well-known residents, George Gershwin, Babe Ruth as an infant, mm. W.E. Dubois, NAACP founder Walter White, Supreme Court Justice, Thurgood Marshall, and so many other famous names. Mm. Um, also contained within Sugar Hill, and again, this is where I say like the address is, you know, it's controversial whether it, you know, because it's further north. 555 Edgecombe, but nobody debates the history there. Um, it's also known as Triple Nickel or the Paul Robeson Residence. Um, it's north of that 155th Street border, but uh, I don't know, a lot of people do consider that Sugar Hill. Um, and it, it's most readily identifiable because it's ac also across the street from the Morris Jamel Mansion, which we've also discussed in other episodes. Like 409 Edgecombe, Triple Nickel was designed by Schwartz and Gross as well. Um, although that actually, I believe, is a rental building. Um, while many of the buildings had unremarkable exterior designs that were built by Schwartz and Gross, um, the, the, the residents loved the space and flow of their interiors, which is, goes back to what I was saying before. Famous residents of tri Triple Nickel have included Count Basie, Joe Lewis, Paul Robeson, and so many more jazz legends. Uh, for the past 30 years, and, and this is you know something I, I believe still continues to this day, uh, every Sunday, resident of the, uh, of the building, Marjorie Elliott, often as addressed as Miss Marjorie, and her son Rudell have provided free jazz for New Yorkers in their living rooms, seating up to 40 people. They do this routinely um, and just invite the public into their home. Pretty cool. uh, she's been doing these parlor jazz sessions as a tribute to her son, Philip, who died in 1993. The show, if you're going up there and you want to go and try and uh, explore it, the show starts at 3.30. 
Uh, Marjorie and Rudell play jazz on the piano, as she calls it, African-American classical music, and sometimes there might be accompanying musicians. They serve water and sometimes juice with granola and some other small snacks. There's also a chip, uh, a tip jar, and obviously now going to modern day world, uh, Venmo, but nobody will pressure you to donate. Um, but considering that the fact that they're opening their home to the world every week, you know, I, I, I would, I, I wouldn't hesitate to tip. Yeah, you got to be generous in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how amazing is that? I mean, I think that's one of the the true treasures of New York. Sure. Um, so, you know, pop culture references for the neighborhood, uh, Taking the A Train by Billy Strayhorn. That was the signature tune of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. And they meant, you know, getting off at 145th Street Station, you know, right in the heart of Sugar Hill uh, for the sweet life. Um, Claudine, the, uh, the movie, and I actually saw it and I recognized a couple of the streets in, in, in the filming. It was filmed in Sugar Hill in 1974 and it starred Diane Cannon and a very young James Earl Jones uh, before he became Darth Vader, of course. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there's also by the Sugar Hill gang, Rapper's Delight. And it's it's worth noting that Rapper's Delight was the first rap single to become top 40, a top 40 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, be- performed by the hip hop group, the Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, although ironically, they're actually from Inglewood, New Jersey. That's not a bad town. Yeah, not a bad town, but obviously they wanted to give themselves some street cred, <laughs> you know, by calling themselves the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. Um, actually, it was the woman that, um, you know, I think her name was Sylvia Robinson, um, and uh, she was known for that song. I, f- I forgot. It was used in Dirty Dancing, uh, you know, with Romeo. How do you call your lover boy? Mm. Come here, lover boy. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, Sylvia Robinson, she was the producer. And she actually, you know, founded these guys and, and named them the Sugar Ale Gang. Um, so that that's considered like, a, you know, one of the you know, one of the key songs in the history of the hip hop world, mm. you know, that really kind of kicked it off and made it, you know, into pop culture. Absolutely. Uh, Godfather of Harlem, uh, which makes sense, uh, has filmed in the neighborhood starting in the first episode in the series and in, in the very beginning of the show. So um, initially they filmed it. Uh, Law and Order SVU. Now we had discussed about the the, ba- the Bailey Mansion earlier, season twenty, episode ten. It features two brothers, Judd Hirsch and Wallace Shawn, uh, that actually live in the James Bailey Mansion. And you know, much of the episode, you know, the house plays a starring role. Hmm. So you know, just a few things of pop culture. I always try and you know get as much pop culture into these. Uh, episodes as much as possible and try and relate it to, you know, modern day, you know, and and things that, you know, I think will entice people. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. This is Harlem Stories, and we hope to bring you lots of great content. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone.